Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, the podcast where current and aspirational entrepreneurs can learn skills and get inspired to take their business to the next level. I'm Ellen Barton, and I'm really excited about our guest today. Her name is Mika Lea, and she has a remarkable story. Mika, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm really excited, and I want to jump in and just let you tell your story, which begins several years ago when, as a young woman, you started to feel like something was going on with your body. Yeah, so I had been an athlete all of my life, and I love fitness and wellness. I was that gym nerd that was there all the time, and uh, I was actually a cycle instructor for fun on the weekends and in the mornings before work, and the short story is is that I found myself three weeks after my 33rd birthday being wheeled into emergency heart surgery. And it turned out that the left main artery of my heart was blocked at 98%. And it's the term for it is called the widow maker. Mm. And so I, my babies were one and two at the time. And I had this huge epiphany that my life was short. <laughs> so I had, I ended up having five heart stents and four procedures. And after that was over, the, yeah, that epiphany was life was short and I should do what I loved. And so I decided to take that leap of faith that many an entrepreneur does. <laughs> and I decided to leave my corporate well paying job and start my own company. So the company call, is called Gumi Group. With that, we bring on-site fitness and wellness directly to companies and corporations and schools across the country. And really the, the genesis of it was that I, in having that heart, in all my heart procedures and the epiphany that life was short, wanting to do what I loved, I knew that I loved helping others get healthy and happy. So I thought, what if I could do that on a on a national scale and really help everybody out there get healthy and happy? Yeah, I, it's fascinating um, and wonderful that you were able to take that experience and turn it into something so positive. And I really want to get into the business in just a second. But getting back to, you know, you said you realized your life was short, which makes perfect sense when faced with something like that. But how did it really change how you view time and your own mortality? Like, did you, did you really change the way you were choosing to live beyond the business? Yeah, 100%. I, you know, in realizing that your life is short and realizing that we might not be on this earth for as long as we would like, and that it's not up to us, I realized that, you know, my family became my focus. I knew that I didn't want to be that mom if something should happen to me. And if I, if I had died, I wondered about what my kids would have said, mm-hmm. you know, was mommy just that figure that kind of came and went in the night and kissed them goodnight? <laughs> or was mommy that person that was there at all their school plays? And 
mommy was there when they got home from school and, you know, mommy was the one who took them to the beach and, and did fun things with them. And so I really shifted my focus to be all about the family. And I used to be all about the money. <laughs> I used to be all about, okay, how much can I make? How much am I going to get? How much, you know, what's the next job looking like? What's the next title promotion? You know, what's next? What's next? What's next? And I'm embarrassed to say, but it was at the detriment of my of my kids. And I was a single mom at the time. And and now my family's become my everything. Yeah. And that that was my biggest focus. And then mm. I think when you take out the fear of life is short, so might as well do it, right? There's mm-hmm. if there's no future, then I should just not throw my hands up, but sort of and just jump in and and do what I love and and take the chances because I might never get the chance again. So let's just take the chances that we can now. And that's really what it was about. So big changes in my life. (laughs) Yeah, sounds like it. How old are those kids now? Oh my gosh, they are eight and nine years old. Okay, so how do you, so they're old enough to know your story and probably have some fear wrapped up in that, that mom might not be there forever, you know, because they, they, I'm sure know what happened to you and, and the story of your business and everything. So how do you deal with that with them? That is a great question. One of my bosses once told me when I was, when I first had kids and she had older kids at the time. And she said, tell the truth, answer every question and be honest, but just don't elaborate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so You know, I think the kids know it, uh, which is why we make a big deal of eating healthy and we walk to school every day and we sometimes walk home and we really make our lives a choice of health. And so dessert is not an everyday thing. Dessert is, you know, a special treat. Fitness is a huge deal in our family. And we all know that heart disease is, is present and that mommy has to watch what she eats and mommy has to, you know, mommy needs to get her 10,000 steps in. Mm. <laughs> and, and I don't know, I try not to live in that fear. I try to live in that hopefulness and that gratitude. And I think that the, we lean into the gratitude. Yeah, we just lean into the gratitude. And, and for us, it becomes, let's talk about what we're grateful for. Let's talk about our, what our goals are. Let's talk about those things. It's not, we try to stay focused on that instead of the fear. Mm-hmm. I love that. I mean, that's, that, that's very aligned with my personal philosophy and how I try to run my business too. Um, I, you know, purposely try to not give into fear, which, which I think is a good thing. You know, I, I, uh, I really do. And then how did it, when you started your, so you started the business to, take what you had been through and um, help other people get healthier and and build a business on that, which is really cool. Did you know anything about business when you started your business? Oh, that is such a great question. I like to think I didn't know anything. Um, (laughs) uh, But you, you were talking about that fear and that's how you try to run your business. And so well, I, I tried to run my business without focusing on without the fear. Without fear, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me clarify. But you were saying that, you know, leaving the fear behind. And I think when I started the Gumi group, I I was in the same place as you, where it's, you know, taking the chance, leaving the fear behind. And for me, 
I had never run a business before, but I had managed, you know, a team. I think my largest team was about nine people. And I had been hiring people since I was 22. And I worked in these, I think every job really led me to the point that I'm at now. So I did advertising and marketing, and then I did sales, and then I was an event planner for a hot second of my life. And I was an instructor, you know, a a cycle instructor. And I think that all of those skills, I was able to leverage into starting this business. Um, And I think that, you know, I just jumped in and I said, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to try this. And then I read somewhere that it's only a failure if you deem it a failure, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's all in the perception of it. And if you keep trying and you keep trying and you keep trying, you're the one who decides at what point it's a failure. You're the one who decides that you've had enough. So when I realized that failure and fear are all a perception, then it makes life a little easier and it makes those decisions a lot smoother to make. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense to me because I'm also an entrepreneur and um, very early on, I used to have a lot more sleepless nights where I would be gripped by this huge responsibility of having staff and and um, having to find, um, you know, the next jobs to support everything. And, and that could, at the beginning, it used to feel very overwhelming. And for me, I've done a lot of personal work and, and, you know, worked really hard on growing my business. And not, not to say that there aren't still stressful moments, but it's a lot more, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like a sense, a deep sense of faith, maybe, and I don't necessarily mean that in a religious way, but just in a deep knowing that everything is going to be okay. And yeah. a, a, like stepping back from that judgment of failure. I liked the way that you put that, that it's just the perception of failure. You don't need to judge that or make this big story around it. Right. And for me, I, for me, I also believe that, you know, in, in my first diagnosis of heart disease, I thought it was a weakness and I chose to see it that way in the beginning. So I didn't tell anybody about it and I was embarrassed and everybody would look at me because I am so young. Um, And at the time I was even younger (laughs) and I didn't want to fall into that trap of being perceived as, as weak. And so I didn't tell anybody about that. And then when I saw it as instead of a weakness, but as my moment to show my strength, my moment to rise above, my moment to make something out of it, that's when, you know, that was another big change for me that I realized I'm stronger than I thought and anything's possible if you give it a good try. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I chose to step into that and, and see it as a strength. Well, that's, that's, that's wonderful. And one of the reasons your story is so fascinating is you have this traumatic kind of experience with the, the heart issues and um, you come out of it, you decide to start a business, which is in and of itself a massive undertaking when a startup is very time consuming you know, very attention consuming, but at the same time you have a young family and I would imagine you said your family is really everything and your focus has shifted to that, but 
you also have to work self-care in there too because and I'm sure that that's something that came out of all the you know stuff you dealt with when you're you were going through your own health challenges it's hard sometimes for entrepreneurs you know to to balance that self-care part and to remember to do it so like I'm kind of curious like what advice do you give people or how do you balance everything that you're doing and be sure to get the self-care component yeah I think you're completely right that I think as you know I'll speak from the women's standpoint and I think as women we take care of everybody else first before we take care of ourselves and I think from the entrepreneur standpoint we fear that we, if we don't work hard enough, the business is going to fail. So taking care of ourselves is going to result in less sales calls and not being there to answer that email or not being there to take that client um, meeting. I think from both standpoints, from a business standpoint and from a woman's standpoint and from an everyone's standpoint, is that we need to take care of ourselves first because One, from a woman's standpoint, if we don't take care of ourselves first, we're not going to be there to take care of our friends and our family and our loved ones. And from an entrepreneur standpoint, if we don't take care of ourselves first, then what's the point in enjoying having our own company and growing our business and the whole joy that should be found? I think entrepreneurs do do it for the challenge and the joy of it. But we also need to realize, again, that company is not going to be there without us necessarily. Mm -hmm. I think from both sides, we have to remember that we need to put our oxygen on ourselves first before we put it on, you know, on anything else in our lives, whether it be our businesses, which is our baby, because let's be honest, when we have our own businesses, those are our babies. And when we have family and loved ones or you know, I like to joke fur babies, you know, little animals that we have in our lives. We have to take care of ourselves first. And and that's, that's the critical thing. And so for self-care, I always, you know, I'm not the best either. And I will admit my faults. I'm not going to stand here and say that I can do it all. And, and I do it all correctly. I don't, I have my own, my own weaknesses. And I think we're always trying to fit it in, but we can make it, we can do something. So for example, lunch breaks, Take a walk. You know, if we were in an office setting, take a walk around the building. Um, if you're at home, get outside, walk to the mailbox and walk back. You know, get get out. And those steps are really easy to take. Take the stairs when you go to a client meeting. Park far away. You can always find the best spots if you park far enough away. You know, those are that's a little tip and trick. Eating healthy, eating the rainbow. I think, you know, making sure that there's a multitude of colors and One of the things that I do is I always keep fresh cut like veggies and fruit on the handy so that I don't have the M&Ms that I love so much or the Reese's Pieces on my desk (laughs) and having, having fresh fruit. And it's, it's as simple as going to the store and buying it already pre-cut or if you want to go crazy meal prep on a Sunday and, and get it all ready. I think all of these are really little things. You know, there are some days where I can't fit in anything. So the moment I roll out of bed, all I do is a 10-minute meditation or I do some sit-ups and push-ups. And that's, that's enough sometimes. And we just have to be 
kind to ourselves, but also try and fit it in at the same time any which way we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are great tips. And I, I just want to add one thing, too, is um, you said you have to put the oxygen mask on yourself first, which is absolutely true. But when you're taking the time to take care of yourself, you're also setting a role. You're, you're being a role model for your employees. You're being a role model for your family and showing people that it's okay to, you know, you know, take the time to do that. Because I think we, as a culture, as Americans, we tend to put so much value on working hard and working all the time mm-hmm. that it's kind of judged. It can be judged um, if you, you know, don't. But in, a, in reality, you work better when you aren't stressed out all the time when you are taking care of yourself. Exactly. And that, you know what, on that point, I'd love to add to your point, which is we need to get enough sleep. You know, we shouldn't be measuring ourselves on how hard we're working and how late we work and how many hours we put in. I would love for that shift to happen, which Ariana Huffington talks a lot about it in her book, Thrive, which is the changing the perception and being like, yeah, I got a great night's sleep last night. How awesome was that? You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes and with workaholics and entrepreneurs, I'm always giving the advice of get enough sleep because we need to measure ourselves on that because the brain really doesn't function. And there's tons of studies and I could go, I could talk for hours about it. But the truth is, is that we need sleep. And that is so much a part of the self-care and we shouldn't be bragging about how we stayed late and we worked so late and we put in so many hours. We should be bragging about the time we spent with our family or seeing our kids in the school play and yeah, taking care of ourselves. So I'm a big advocate for sleep in that realm. And I'd love to change the conversation to be more about how well we're taking care of ourselves because it is, it's a good, it's also a good role model for everybody else. And all it needs is that one pebble to be thrown into the water and have that ripple effect take place with health and happiness for sure. Yeah, definitely. And that's one of the many reasons that your work is so important because I hope that you're helping to shift the, um, the ideas around that. And I hope I, you'll have to tell me if it's accurate or not, but I hope that business owners and employers are realizing that when you bring health in health and wellness into a culture, productivity can go up, happiness goes up, satisfaction, you know, all of those things um, I'm pretty sure are probably true. Um, yeah, no, 100% retention and creativity, all of that goes, goes up. And I think companies are realizing that, you know, I think we saw it with the trend with Google and Facebook. Mm-hmm they started that trend of let's take care of our employees. So they stay. I think also with Zappos was another company that allowed their, you know, their call centers to work from home and work on their own hours and work in a comfortable work environment. But I I think we are seeing, especially with the new generations coming into the workplace, millennials and, and Gen Z is that they want to feel valued and they know that they don't necessarily have to work eight to five to get their work done. They can get their work done in four hours if you allow them to, but they also want to know that they're valued. And I think there's a lot of value in taking care of our employees outside of just the paycheck. I think there's a huge trend. And, you know, the coolest thing about it is, is that 
health insurances have health insurance companies and health and in, health insurance broker insurance brokers for companies and corporations are seeing that trend too. And that's why they're actually giving these wellness dollars, you know, they call them wellness dollars and they're allowing their companies and their clients to take care of the employees so that they don't have all these health scares, you know, with 80% of heart disease being preventable, we just take care of everybody before they get sick, then we prevent the sickness. And so it's amazing that companies are actually spending for it. Insurance companies, insurance brokers, there's there's a huge movement in it. We just need to get everybody on board so that, you know, my goal is that one day every single company will offer this as an added value uh, to show that they value their employees. Yeah, I, I think that would be wonderful. And and it's true, like the, the younger generations, certainly, you know, plenty of studies have shown exactly what you just said, that they value, that the, the employees value other perks beyond just salary and, and even time off. Um, they want to feel valued and they want to be with the company that supports those things. So that's, that's really cool. I would like you to talk a little bit about what Gumi Group does, because I don't think we really addressed what it is um, you guys do. Oh, yeah. So Gumi translates into rubber band. All the English names were taken as entrepreneurs. We know it's hard to find names. Um, so what we do is as we stretch body and mind with all of our classes and our sessions. So in short, what we do is we bring on-site fitness and wellness to any company in any school in any city um, with any session that they want at any budget that they have. So let's say a company wants to do yoga. We can do that. We do cooking demonstrations. We do 100% experiential health fairs. We do massages. We do salsa classes and, oh my gosh, nutritional consultations and boot camp and self-defense classes and educational seminars. So those are all the things and we bring it on site to companies so they don't even need the space. We can actually do it in a boardroom or a conference room, or we can do it in a kitchen or outside on a patio. We've done it on rooftops and helicopter pads. and <laughs> We can do it anywhere. So it's really about making health and fitness accessible. And we customize every single program to all of our clients. No budget is too small. No company is too small. And yeah, we have so much fun out there. We you know, how can you not like a, teen, a 10 or 15 minute massage <laughs> when you, you just take that little break from your office and, and go in and yoga classes and, you know, people, people love it and they feel appreciated and they're getting their, their fitness in at work without having to be leaving, you know, leaving their desk for go too far from their desk. They don't have to get in their car and they don't have to worry about gym membership. So it's it's wonderful. That's what we do. That's that's very cool. And you're nationwide. We are nationwide. Yeah, we're we can go into any city. We're currently in over twenty six states. Uh, I don't even I can't even count how many cities we're in. And I have this amazing number that I looked at at the end of the year. We helped over twenty six thousand employees. Wow. Just this past year. Yeah, and we have over 300 instructors nationwide. Wow, that's wonderful. 
Wow. Yeah. Look what you did. Rico. I know. Who would have thought? <laughs> That's cool. That's really wonderful. So what's um what's what's in your plans for twenty nineteen? Well, you know, we're really working, we're launching a new series called Stretch HR, which is going to be um for these little intimate conferences that will happen three times a year for HR directors. So we're growing the business that way. And I'm, I'm really focused. So I'm on the board of directors for the American Heart Association. Mm-hmm. And I was nominated as one of eight women uh, for the class as a national ambassador for Go Red, which is all about heart, you know, bringing awareness to heart disease for the American Heart Association, but for women specifically. So it's the little red dress. Mm. My goal this year is to get the little red dress synonymous with heart disease and heart disease prevention and make it as well known as the pink ribbon and breast cancer because one in three women will actually be affected by heart disease in their lifetime. One in three. Yeah, and one woman dies every 80 seconds from heart wow. disease. Wow. It's crazy statistics. And I just, I'm really passionate about getting, getting the knowledge out there that it can happen to anyone and that we all need to be our own advocates and we all need to be aware that, that heart disease can happen to, some, to even a young, fit female. So, yeah, it's going to be a good year. It's going to be a great year, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see what, what the year brings for you, for sure. Before we wrap up, since you just mentioned those statistics, why don't you give us a brief um, summary of you know what to look out for if we are having problems? I think that's always a good thing to remind people of. That's great. Yeah, so I will preface it with I am not a doctor. So I would like to sure. put a record with, I'm not a doctor. However, women's symptoms are very different than men's. So women's symptoms of a heart attack actually present very differently than men. So women might have flu-like symptoms, uh, chest pain, shortness of breath. Their jaws might hurt. They might have a headache. But to know to know the symptoms, so definitely go out there and Google it, women's heart, heart attack symptoms. And I also want to just, let everyone know to if you think you're having a heart attack to call 911. The fact of the matter is is that more more women do not survive a heart attack than their male counterparts. So we are less likely as women to survive our first heart attack and only 65% of women will actually pick up the phone and call 911 if they think they're having a heart attack. And that's crazy to think about. That's a huge amount of women that are not willing to pick up the phone. And the fact that we don't survive the heart attack is, is, is not a good like combination. And so I want everybody to go out there, know your symptoms, know your history. If you have heart disease in your family, go out there and ask, you know, push for the tests. If you are experiencing anything, uh, be your own advocate when you need to. And Listen to your intuition, what that what that little voice is saying in your head, because it just might save your life. And I know that it definitely saved mine. Mm. Well, thank you, Mika. That's that's an important message, and I'm glad that we were able to include it in this podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Ellen. Thank you so much. 
It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Uh, I wish you luck with everything. How, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about Gumi Group? Yeah, so they can go to our website. It's gumigroup.com. So that's G-O-O, Emma's and Mary, I, and then G-R-O-U-P.com. Or they can reach me directly at Mika, M-I-K-A, at gumigroup.com. And I would encourage everybody to follow us on social. It's just gumi underscore group on Instagram. And then my personal one is just Mika.Lea. Uh, for Instagram. So would love the follows, would love to reach out to anyone. And I am so excited to be a part of this whole community. That's awesome. Yeah, you're doing some great work. So keep it up. And thank you so much for being here with us today. Uh, Thanks, everybody for listening. My guest was Mika Lea. And you can find out more about her and her company and get all those links she mentioned on our website, which is ellenbarton.com. Be sure to check that out and tune in again next week for another episode of Ready, Set, Grit, which is designed to help your business make a dynamic upward pivot. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, your life on purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit. Inspired actions, real results.